Welcome to our second season of Shooting the Breeze. This time, we're casting our net wider. We're going to be talking to inspiring athletes, amazing coaches, and behind-the-scenes trailblazers from across the women's basketball landscape. As we start the run-up to the Olympics, another WNBL season, and the FIBA Women's World Cup being held right here in Sydney, as well as the Opals being ranked number two in the world, this is a great time to be a fan of Australian women's basketball. Don't forget to subscribe and be the first to know when we have more Hoops goodness headed your way. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. It is our review of the Opals' second game against China, and we'll be previewing our third game against Puerto Rico. Joining me again, co-host Jacinta Gavind. Jacinta, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. A bit emotionally hungover. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think, you know, try to carry on through the day, keeping myself distracted, try not to dwell too much on the two-point loss. But yeah, otherwise, how, how are you feeling? Yeah, still a little bit shell shocked to be honest, because you know that the end of that game was tight. It was exciting. Things seemed to be falling into place, and then there was that call. And look, I'm going to say, regardless of whether you thought it was a foul or not, I think given the number of hard fouls that they, I think that the refs let go during the game, that was a pretty soft one to make a call on, particularly with so little time left in the game. I think the the ref should have let it go. And I think the ref who was in front, who was seeing the action, was happy to let it go given the the position of the clock. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think you're on the money when you mention the physicality of the game. It was a very physical game from the start. The Chinese are known to, you know, milk the foul a little bit. I'm not going to beat around the bush. They are known to do that. I felt like some of their... Uh, reactions and responses to some of the bumps were very unnecessarily theatrical. They call it what it was. And me as a, a prior ball player playing against the theatrics and then the referees falling for those theatrics, it is so frustrating. It's It feels like an injustice when you're in that moment. And so, yeah, throughout the whole physicality of the game to then have the the game clinched with, with something that was called by a referee that wasn't in a direct field of vision from the play, calling it basically from behind where the contact was made. I think that's probably where people are feeling the the biggest sense of injustice in that instance. There was a quote that Sandy made where she said, you know, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have called it. No one decides that on that kind of play, especially if you're not in position. And I look, I agree with her. Can't disagree with what she said on that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talking about this point for a lot of time and there's going to be a lot of different opinions. But like she said, you know, the game's over. We've lost it. So now really we've got to regroup and look at the uh, the Puerto Rico game. But that being said, I think there was some really positive stuff that came out of this game as well. The team seemed to be gelling better. There were still passes that were supposed to go somewhere and it looked like somebody was out of position to grab the pass. But, you know, I, th- I actually think that maybe that head clash that Katie had early on in the game may have had a bit of an effect on her because her, her shooting percentages were down. And I think more than likely with the eye starting to puff up, because she's going she's gonna to end up with a black eye from that one for sure. Maybe her, her vision wasn't, 100% as the swelling came on and that might have impacted her her shooting and her shooting numbers. Yeah, it was a really 
severe knock to the head. Any time where you have a head clash and it draws blood from both players, that's a worry. Hopefully she'll get some kind of follow-up testing to make sure she hasn't got a concussion or something like that too because, you know, that, that can happen and that can mm. definitely influence how someone's concentration and, and um, decision-making during a game after a clash like that too. Just to clarify, it was Katie Ebsery. Contrary to what the commentator kept saying throughout the whole game, that it was Steph Talbot, and that's why Steph Talbot wasn't on the floor, which was also a big point of contention on social media in the last 24 hours because it was quite annoying. It was interesting that Katie Ray started over Leilani as well, going into the one spot instead of the two. I'm guessing that's because um, Sandy wanted to go with a taller lineup, considering China had the height advantage on us overall. Um, yeah. But, yeah, plenty of positives still to take from that game. I think some of the positives I found um, when you're talking about the team starting to gel was when you had people from the Southside Flyers on at once time. You had Jenna and Sarah Blixarves working really well together in a couple of plays, um, obviously having just won the WNBL Championship together. Leilani was also a part of that team. It's interesting that perhaps those types of combinations haven't been explored before, giving that potentially three of the five players on the court could be from that championship winning team who are already so naturally used to playing with each other. Then you can slot in some easy people like Kayla and Ezzy into that, that lineup, but really happy for Sarah to get some court time. And she definitely made the most of a court time. She was a big contributor from the bench, especially after, unfortunately, Steph had to go off with injury. Um, but also Tess imagine coming on and doing a lot of good things and playing her role really well. But these gelling points, this is what you need the, the lead up to an Olympics is. These, these aren't the, the, the gelling points and the combinations you want to be discovering in the middle of a tournament. No, definitely not. And I think, you know, the breakdown in communication within the team that, that it appeared anyway had a real impact on the way they were attacking the boards for the rebounds. We ended up being, uh, what, I think it was 11 rebounds less than China. If we'd been able to make more of those, uh, we would have had a different result at the end of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It was 11 rebounds difference. And the 11 rebounds being 11 offensive rebounds for China. Offensive yeah. rebounds are on the, a list of coach killers in my book. <laughs> Don't yeah. want your, ten, your opposition to get any offensive rebounds. And the thing is, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, but China were a lot taller. They had a couple of six-foot-eight girls. Fair enough. But it's not so much getting the rebound as the stat. It's also keeping someone away from the basket well enough to stop them from getting a rebound too. So it comes down to being boxing out consistently, comes down to being in the correct position. And when you box yeah. out consistently, that's when you're going to be able to get those boards because I think towards the end of the game, the Opals definitely started to show a lot more desperation for possession and urgency because they weren't locking down on their boxing out and getting in those positions correctly it kind of led to a lot of fumbling and muppet hands and a lot of loose balls rather than being um, grabbing the ball and being a lot more clear with the rebound. Like you said, there was a lot of really good stuff there and there was some really frustrating stuff that happened as well. Mm. Um, and look, to be honest, some of the, the shooting percentages for some of the players were really much lower than what I would have expected. Mm. And I'm not sure if it was just a bad night 
or whether there was a little bit of a little bit of hesitancy given the height of the Chinese. I mean, what is it? Their three tallest run six foot nine, six foot seven, and six foot six. Mm. Han Zhu, who was the the tallest at six nine, she's also got an amazing wingspan. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, all she had to do is stand there and raise her hand, and she's over the rim. Yeah, definitely, and that's always going to be uh, threatening for anyone that's trying to work their way into the uh, the key for a scoring option. Early in the first quarter, a couple of times, as he went up for the basket, and. It was it. It was just this hand appeared out of nowhere and just got in the way, lost it. But yes, the the rebound wasn't there. There was nobody to take advantage of of that because the Chinese ball control. I actually thought it started to get a bit sloppy towards the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I think you're right um, because China ended up actually ended up with more turnovers than the Opals. The Opals apparently only had thirteen turnovers. Alarmingly. Five or six of them were in one quarter in the third quarter. But China overall actually had more turnovers. I think you're right. They were starting to fatigue quite early and starting to get a little bit sloppy. And I think the Opals did, you know, get a a few points off their turnovers and steals. I think it was a case where, you know, Australia's weak spots were exploited um, and maybe China's weak spots were exposed but probably not taken advantage of as much as we possibly could. Like I think in the preview podcast, we mentioned how China was also foul prone. And yeah. you see in the fourth quarter, as they started to fatigue, they reached team fouls quite quickly. And this is when we were in within five points. So it was definitely gettable for the Opals if we had exploited their that they were in foul trouble and we could start getting to the line for free throws. It, it almost felt, and I mean, again, just, just watching it on TV, hmm. it almost felt like China went strong for probably the first seven or eight minutes of the first quarter, hmm. started to get a little bit tired, but then when they hit the second quarter, it was like they started to run out of gas a little bit, made significantly more mistakes, but then the break in the half gave them enough to come back and strike hard at the beginning of the third because they had, was it an 8-0 or 9-0 run? Yeah, I think it was a 9-0 run in the third quarter. Yeah. And then again, we started getting down to the last couple of minutes of the third quarter and the mistakes started to creep into it again. Hmm. But unfortunately, you know, we just weren't able to to capitalise on that. You know, I mean, look, our bigs did really well. Surprisingly, our bigs, I think, challenged the bigger Chinese players hmm. better. The Chinese coach was also a little bit concerned about that because – there were a couple of times when he was rotating the players a lot. Yeah, he was. You're right. He was. Maybe that was his compensatory strategy for their fatigue. And sometimes it can be a good strategy just to disrupt the opposition as well of having to keep changing subs and keep reassessing who's got who. So that could have been part of it as well. But I think we do, regardless of that end play um, with the, the, the foul and the two shots, I still think, and, you know, the rebounding, our bigs did have their work cut out for them this game, being very physical and being a bit undersized. Um, but they, yep. I still feel like they definitely did the best job they possibly could. I think in terms of scoring, Ezzy still found a way to score. She, I was really impressed yep. with how well she could adapt to her opposition. A couple of times, like making sure she was using her other arm to fend off the defence to get a clear shot. I think some of the problems were 
Um, on the perimeter, we still saw a lot of stagnant, I was going to say stagnant movement, but it's not movement at all. Just a lot of people standing around on the weak side, um, not creating any movement or any action on the weak side to keep that defense moving. The times when we actually moved the ball, we rotated into good positions, that's when we got higher percentage and clear shots. Lots of times, there, there were a couple of plays between Jenna and Sarah where Sarah drove baseline, draw the foul. Jenna got to the right spot, hit a corner three. Um, Jenna was under the basket, drew two people. Sarah got to the right spot, got a layup. That's how easy it needs to be. It doesn't need to be complicated pick and rolls and whatever like that. But I think that a lot of the time when we were stagnant, we weren't getting high percentage shots. So you people like Beck Allen, who are known to be scorers and shooters, her shots were all low percentage shots. And I don't know if she was feeling like she had to shoot it because she hadn't shot in a while or because it was no, there were no other options and she panicked. But a lot of our shots were, were poor decisions because either from circumstance or because we were panicked. Just looking at Beck Allen's percentages, just as you were, you were talking, I mean, she was 12.5% for two points. That's just not going to cut it. Mm. Um, there's a lot of stuff that went on that was really it confused. I'll be honest, it confused me a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, but I gotta say that the one that really impressed me from from the Chinese side was uh Wang Siu, you know, hitting that twenty points, you mm. know, at uh what, sixty seven percent from the field. She was just deadly. Yeah, no full credit to them. Um they did a really good job of making some really tough finishes under the basket, like a lot of their guards are specifically Wang Siu. She had a really nice touch under the basket and look, granted sometimes our um, guarding of the ball wasn't very good, but there mm. were times when it was very good and Wang Siu was still making those shots. Um, so, look, full credit to her. She had a really, really good game. It's just those little focus things sometimes because we missed a lot of layups again this game. And I, I think we obviously everybody's going to be worried about Steph Talbot having gone off so early in the game with what appeared to be a flare-up of her foot injury that kept her out of the first game. Mm. Yeah, she looked like she was in a lot of pain. Um, interestingly, the incident that triggered her foot interest, uh, injury again, if you watch the replay, was a heavy foul, um, yeah. a very clear reaching in heavy foul, which wasn't called, um, triggered her foot injury, unfortunately. And you could see the anguish on her face that really reflected probably pain and the severity that she was feeling. So I'm sure that she would she is someone who would have done anything she possibly could to come back into the game. But it, it shows to me that she, she didn't come back. She went to the change room, so it must have been pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But you were right. There was heavy contact there and, yeah, the refs let it play. So that just mm. makes you even more confused about that last decision. Yeah, um, definitely. Now, unfortunately, that leaves Australia in not a great position for being able to move forward. we got to depend on other results going our way. The only positive you can take out of that is the fact that we are going up against Puerto Rico mm. um, and hopefully we can pull out some really big numbers in that game to be able to try and get ourselves in a position where numbers kind of stack up our way so that we can advance. Yeah, definitely. Look, there's still the, the door is still slightly open. And if the door is still slightly open, we've just got to put our foot square into that gap and kick it. You've yeah. got to take this glimmer of hope and just use it. Like this is, it's now or never. Like we've got to go out and smash Puerto Rico, um, hope that the other pools fall in our favour and, you know, the the likelihood of those matchups is that it could potentially fall in our favour. 
But we really have to kick the door down against Puerto Rico and win by a large, I'm going to say almost cruel margin. If it means that it's going to serve us, we have to go out and smash them. My worry is, and you know, I don't want to be negative and be pessimistic, considering the negative stuff that's already been talked about on socials since the last two games. My worry is that the Opals are going to come out against Puerto Rico and they're not going to play their own game. They're going to Mm. fall back and end up falling into the habit of playing Puerto Rico's game and then it will be an arm wrestle from there. Sometimes playing against a team who are um, not as skilled as you, it's sometimes harder to play your own game at your own high standard. Sometimes it's easy just to fall back and play the opposition's game and play into their their own habits. Um, So the Opals really can't afford to do that because usually that's a game that you you will lose or will be an arm wrestle if you're playing someone else's game. Yeah, it's true. I mean, based off the numbers and, and from the performances that I've seen from Puerto Rico so far, we should be able to bring home a game with at least, you know, 25, 30 points. Mm. Their defense has not been has not been great. Their shooting percentages, from what I've seen, are at like I think twenty five point nine. Our team so so far is at thirty nine point seven. So we just got to step it up, try and get those numbers back to where we normally would have them. Mm. And you know, some of these players who just haven't quite hit their numbers, if they can kind of step up, then there's a real chance that we can score enough points to be able to be in a position to challenge for that last slot. Yeah, definitely. And they've just got to they're just gonna make it easy for themselves. Just go back to basics of ball movement, off the ball movement, um, getting it inside, getting it outside, getting into the hot spots. This is all the fundamentals you learn as a kid. And sure it's an easy learning point about basketball when you're a kid, but the point is that you learn them and you learn them well when you're a kid because they're the, the standing fundamentals you take with you through your basketball career well into adulthood. They don't change. I think that if the Opals just make it really simple for themselves and stick to the, nailing those fundamentals, it can be a lot easier. They're going to get better percentage shots. Yeah, and here's the other question for you. Do you think, given they've obviously got to be having a little bit of a question over their own confidence at the moment, mm. given given what's happened, how important is it, and like you said, get a cruel victory over Puerto Rico for the team's confidence going forward? Oh, it's going to be really hugely important, hugely important. They have a lot to, I think they need to redeem it just for themselves as a unit, not so much that they're representing Australia and they have these expectations of getting a medal, just for themselves as a players and a a team unit with the strong culture and relationship they have with each other. It's going to be really important just to go out and play their hardest and have success just so they can feel confident within themselves again. So it's, it's super important. But they can't go in to this game too gung-ho because, remember, Puerto Rico have nothing to lose. That's true. So they're going to come into this thinking, we've got nothing to lose. We've already seen, you know, we're playing against an Australian team who's supposed to be second in the world, just come off two losses. So we know that they're already going to be feeling uncertain and down on themselves. If I was Puerto Rico, I'd be going out all guns blazing. Yeah, I, I think we can we can be pretty confident in assuming that they're going to come out and that first five minutes of the game, hmm. I think are going to be pretty intense and Puerto Rico is going to be trying to stamp some authority over the Opals. Whether they can keep it up for the full length of the game is another question. But I think the bigger question is how the Opals react to that kind of an opening from Puerto Rico. Yeah, exactly. It's going to really test their ability to handle some adversity. Going in with a clear head, 
being mindful that Puerto Rico will probably come out all guns blazing. Everyone's got a scout on Australia as well because you're going to scout the teams that are in medal contention. So I feel like the other teams we've played against have done their homework really well on us. But the Opals... First test in this game is are they going to be able to handle that initial adversity? It's going to be the character building of coming across a possible very good start from Puerto Rico and being able to adapt to it and overcome it. The Opals need to show that character for themselves and a lot of their confidence boosting is going to be coming from that character building exercise, I guess, if you could call it that. But yeah, it's they're going to have to be able to adapt or die, really. Yeah. Yeah, they will. It almost feels like at the moment for the Opals, there's been so much inconsistency in the performances that we've seen from the players yeah. over this over this competition and even compared to what had taken place during the trial games in Las Vegas. I mean, we all want to see them gel. And I, I got a feeling that this is the game where they're going to really have to try, really put it together. Mm. Quite apart from the results so far, if you look at game one to game two, you know, there's been improvement. Mm. If they keep improving their, their performance, hopefully they should be able to pull out a big enough win to get them into that last slot. Yeah, for sure. No, you're right. They've definitely shown improvement over the last two games. I think what they would want to do is obviously keep improving, but also when we, in the in the game against China, we had longer spurts of um, improvement like we had longer spurts of playing more consistently and playing with more intensity and playing with more urgency so now that opals need to take those chunks of all the good things that we were doing you know sporadically in the china game and start putting them together so we play with like longer chunks of stability if that makes sense so this yeah the things working on offense consistently doing that every time until it's stopped and we have to adapt again or our defensive intensity, I think it was the second quarter they came out and we had Beck Allen, Steph Talbot, Kayla George, Ezzy and Katie say. There was this particular combination that included Steph Talbot where the defensive intensity was really, really good and that really turned the momentum in our favour. So it's things like that they need to start doing, like piecing together to be able to form this team to gel in a way that's going to get them more success. It's also got to be a little bit more discipline in some of the fouls that get given away because mm. the one thing that you can be sh- that I feel pretty confident about now is that there seems to be some inconsistency in the way the fouls are handed out depending on who the referee is. Mm. I'm not saying that they're a bad referee, but depending on where they come from, mm. you know, like in Europe, I-, I read somewhere during the week, you're a dead body lying on the floor and the ref's, hey, what are you there for? There's nothing to see here. Let's keep playing. <laughs> Yeah, right. Right. Whereas refs from other countries and other regions will call a softer foul because that's what they do by default in their own competitions. So to compensate for that, I think we need to try and have more discipline in place so that those ones that kind of frustrate everybody don't show up. Yeah, that would be ideal. I did notice that there are a lot of soft fouls called against us. Having said that, you, you, you're not going to be able to pick what refs you get or the style that they're going to ref. I think the best thing that, I mean, the most ideal thing you can do as a coach is just to encourage your players to not give the ref a reason to even think there was a foul. Yeah. Don't reach in. Make sure your body's in the right position. 
just give yourself the best possible position to not even put the doubt in the referee's mind that there was a foul. Because there were lots of soft fouls called against us where I thought we weren't even really in the play. Lots of heavy fouls, as we talked about, that were uncalled, I guess. But yet, just don't even put yourself in that position. But I think, like, with the Opals defence, you know, we touched before that their on-ball defence was inconsistent again, like we saw against Belgium, and that was definitely a downfall. But what do you think is their pick-and-roll rules? Because I was chatting to a couple of people last night, and we are just flabbergasted. We don't we don't know what the their rules are on guarding the pick-and-roll because it seemed to change every possession. And the times when it was changing every possession, there was a miscommunication and either a score or a foul. Yeah, and honestly, I'm as confused as as you obviously are on that one. I just keep coming back to the fact that the amount of change that's happened to the team over the last three weeks, because mm-hmm. if you think about it, you know, you're like you've gone into the game, you're thinking you're going to have Steph Talbot, you don't end up having Steph Talbot, so you've got to adjust effectively, you know, on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, people are are operating in positions that maybe they weren't initially planning on operating in, which means that whole communication isn't quite happening. Yeah. If the communication's not happening. They're just not quite getting into the right positions. I think Rachel Spawn made mention of that in her commentary mm-hmm. that in part she's just saying they just don't seem to be communicating, they don't seem to be talking on the, on the court and seem to be corresponding with the times where they were just faltering in, in their offense mm-hmm. particularly. Now you mention it, I remember that you spoke about that too after the um, the Belgian game. No, I think you, you, you're right. The, the team has been shrouded in a lot of instability on and off the court. Uh, the lead up to the Olympics wasn't ideal given conflicting schedules and COVID and bubbles. And yeah, it's, it's starting to show now. It's starting to show with people playing in different positions, uh, not ideal combinations, I, I guess, or, or unexplored combinations. And that does require, you rightfully you said, it does require a lot more effective communication that's been lacking. It almost makes you wish, I don't want to get into the woulda, coulda, shoulda discussion, but you wish that there'd been the opportunity to have a little bit more in terms of trial games together mm. in the run-up to the Olympics. Not for the playing ability so much as the let's kind of mess around with how everybody works together and mm. what can we find in their combinations that could be a bit of a surprise that none of us were expecting. Yeah, absolutely. It's the time to experiment because... When you get to the um, those kind of fourth quarters like we saw last night, you want to be confident with the combo that you need at that point in time is the right combo to go with. The other thing is, all credit to her, Jenna came out in the clutch, nailed the shots that needed oh. to be nailed. Oh, my gosh, yes. But the truth is you don't really want to be in that position where you're kind of sitting back hoping that somebody's going to nail one of those clutch shots. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not once. Once is enough pressure, but she did it twice. Two clutch three-pointers. That is like some serious balls that she has there. Like I was so impressed with her stepping up as the captain, nailing two clutch three-pointers. And they weren't even, you know, wide open, here's your invitation for a three-pointer kind of shot. You know, the, the first one, she had a hand directly in her face and it was literally a catch and shoot on the fly and she nailed it. Yeah, and it's it's when you see shots like that that you can see the brilliance of her ability to be able to take those shots on the fly mm. um, 
with confidence. Yeah, definitely. And you can tell she's put in the work to practice those shots and her hard work paid off in that respect. But you also don't want it to come, the games to come down to that one foul, to those free throws. I really hope Kayla George isn't experiencing any negativity or backlash for that one incident because how the game ended is not her fault and games shouldn't end like that. But no, no. And, and look, anybody who wants to who'd be having a go at Kayla in relation to that, that last play, no. That was just one of those things. And I'm sure that she's going to be coming back in the next game really fired up after that one. Oh, definitely. Yeah. She's really good like that, Kayla. Um, you know, if she gets knocked down, she'll come back t- twice as hard. She's a tough nut, Kayla. That's what I really like about her. She'll always have a teammate's back. She will always stand her ground. She she won't shy away from the challenge. So that will really put a fire under her belly, I think. Uh, for sure. And, you know, to be honest, I'm actually looking forward to this Puerto Rico game. I think they're going to rise to the challenge. They're going to come out. I think they're going to come out all guns blazing. Mm. Um, because given everything they've fought through, mm. this is a team that really deserves to get through to the next round. They deserve to get past the group round. But they've pretty much had everything thrown at them but the kitchen sink. I agree. They had to handle all the instabilities that we talked about, and now they've had to endure two two losses, one being such a heartbreak loss I mean, other than feeling maybe a bit down on confidence and things like that, they'd be feeling really peeved off as well. When you feel peeved off and you go into your next game with that kind of intensity, like you can use that energy and turn it around and just go out and smash the next team. And I really hope that's what they take into the next one. You know what? We're peeved off. We're talented. We're underperforming. We've had some, uh, you know, ups and downs. Let's just go out and just smash this thing and just really show us why we deserve to be there. Yeah, and I think the key to that is they've also got to have some – they've got to have fun. Yeah, you're right. You know, and I mean, I know it's hard to say, yeah, listen, you've got to go out there, play hard, you know, effectively go for the throat, but have fun while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, why do we do half of these things that we do? We have to do it for pleasure and enjoyment, right? Yeah. You know, I, I can't wait to see it. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm really looking forward to catching up with you after that game so that we can talk about that one too. Yeah, so what would your final predictions or be for I, this Puerto Rico game? My prediction is Opals win, and I'm looking for a 25-point gap minimum. Minimum, minimum. Yep. I would personally like a 40-point gap. That's just me being very competitive and greedy, which is classically me. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing. I, I hope people like Tolo, like I, I still really have a lot of respect and really admire Tolo. I think she's a great role player. Love it if she got an opportunity to really dominate in this next game. Really looking forward to Ezra yeah. continuing her MVP performance that she's put on so far in the Olympics. I am just loving what she's doing. She's showing a really uh, mature head for a 21-year-old. But really, I yeah, just... definitely. Just want to see the team gel like we've talked about and just go off and, like you said, enjoy it, celebrate their successes together, pick themselves up and and be ready for the next round if we get through the next round. Absolutely. Jacinta, thanks for your time. Looking forward to talking to you again about the Puerto Rico game and I'm sure we'll be seeing the tweets and the texts during the game as well. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll try and limit the tweets and the text because sometimes it can be just as distracting and infuriating as the game itself. Yes, I did say to some friends last night that 
games like this need to be adopted by all GPs and cardiologists as the new stress test because the amount your your stress levels fluctuate that much, your heart rate fluctuates that much watching games like this, it's it's quite enduring. I'm wondering how many people were actually standing up screaming at their TV last night. Oh, I, I was definitely one of them. And then I was stress eating Pringles as well at the end. <laughs> all right, Jacinta, we'll speak soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Paul. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.